Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. Each episode will have a different theme, and we'll talk about things that help bring that theme to real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather they point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to season four of Things That Will Help podcast. I looked at my calendar this morning and I realized that it's almost been a solid year since I began this journey, this podcast, and I've discovered so many treasures along the way. Each week's discoveries have been different. And with each new topic, other ideas have seemed to sprout from those stories. And my, my small stories continue to intersect with your stories, those of you who are listening. And every time you write to me and share your serendipities and your overlaps, it seems like the connective tissue between us seems to grow. So thank you for that. Um, thank you for your engagement with me. My friend Christine, who I dearly love, wrote to me and and asked me to consider talking about an antidote for exhaustion that went beyond simply rest. And Christine is a master of rest and restorative yoga and all things nourishing and grounding. And she's wise enough to understand that even those things that are so foundational, so good for us, like rest and sleep and stillness, while they're essential, are not always enough to cut through to the bone of our weariness. And I sat with this idea the whole time that I was on this season break. And while I sat with it, (laughs) interestingly, Um, I moved my whole family to a different town. And so during this season break, the feelings of exhaustion for me were very real. Because moving, as you know, um, no matter how organized you are, can just rock you to the core. Even if it's a happy move, even if it's something that you really want. And maybe it's the times that we're living in, the mass amounts of choice at our fingertips. Maybe it's the accessibility of information coming into our senses at all times. But we seem to be on a channel or a frequency of collective exhaustion. And I think that we've become dull. I saw a post on my friend Courtney's Instagram, and she's an artist. And um, it was a picture of a very sharp pencil just lying on a table and she had written on the post underneath the picture she wrote I love the optimism of a freshly sharpened pencil and her simple post stuck with me all day and I love to sharpen pencils too (laughs) I think that we have lost our sharpness because there is too much churning internally too many pots are on our stoves for you and me and what I think Christine is wanting me to talk about is the kind of exhaustion that isn't remedied by a good night's sleep or even a few good night's sleeps. 
it's an older and it's a more mature exhaustion, a more habitual weariness that's made of many, many, many layers of distraction and input and sensory overload and and unreasonable expectations and, and retracing the past. And also, I think our future seductions are part of that layering and an overall lack of presence. A dull pencil that's lead has worn down so that it hardly writes anymore with any kind of distinction. Another way to think about this is the colors in front of us are not as bright as they could be. And if you wear contacts like I do, you know this, they kind of, they get gunky after a while and they get protein buildup on them. And then we have to throw them out or we have to clean them really well. It's kind of like that. We're not seeing the freshness of what's in the room because we're too busy retracing what happened last night or what happened online in the comment section this morning. This quote I found on this idea from uh, Brother David Stendhal Rast, who is a Benedictine monk, he says, the antidote to exhaustion is not necessarily rest. The antidote to exhaustion is wholeheartedness. I love this and what it points to. It's profoundly simple, as so many of the best things are. What, what Brother Rast, I think, is talking about is this sharp pencil, this high awareness of the moment that you're in and being fully alive in it, not somewhere else, but here with your whole body, your whole heart, and your whole mind. And it's when you're fully engaged instead of pulled in other places, full body, full heart, full mind. And I just, I want to call it here, right here, sharp pencil, fresh eyes, all senses engaged here, not over there, but here. A couple of years ago, I ran into a grounding tool that I found really helpful for bringing me into a space of here and reducing my anxiety. And it goes like this. Name five things that you see. Name four things that you feel. Name three things that you hear. Name two things that you smell. And name one thing you like about yourself. When you bring signal to the things you see, feel, hear, and smell, you cannot be somewhere else. You have to drop into your feet. It's the somewhere else that is making us exhausted. That is where the tiger lives that is chasing you. He lives back there. Or he lives up there. He doesn't live here right here in your legs and in your grounded feet, your warm hands, your full belly, right here lives your worth and your voice and your cup of tea that's right in front of you. You have everything you need right here. How would that really be for us to live there, here, in that space, knowing that we, we have everything that we need? I also want to acknowledge 
that being here can be hard and that so many people are in the most challenging year of their life, the most lonely and scary year of their life. Being here in that kind of hard can seem, I think, sometimes unbearable. But that's the ask to name what you are sensing even when the waves are crashing down with relentless rhythm. This podcast, which I restate every week, is a place to look for and discover the lighthouses along the way. But my intention is never to negate the heart or the dark. We learn to practice and we learn to navigate that too. So regardless of whether or not things are going well, here, we are less exhausted. The psychic energy alone it takes to try to be here and back there and up there down the road somewhere, it's just too hard. It's too much. So we try to be in just one place for right now. I'm becoming better at remembering people's names Because that requires being here and seeing their eyes and paying attention to the introduction of their story, to the beginning. And what I've noticed over my life is that people people tend to remember the name Buffy because it's so unusual. And people don't usually expect somebody who looks like me to be called Buffy. But for a long time, I wasn't good at remembering other people's names but I, I started to, to really value it and make a point of it because I think remembering people's names is so, so civilized and it's a demonstration of good listening. And I'm sharpening that pencil for sure. My friend Katrina, who was my roommate when I was in graduate school in Illinois, she's a Feldenkrais teacher and a somatic healer, and she's a wizard really um, similar to Christine at uh, teaching people how to rest and how to be clear in their body. And I was listening to something Katrina had shared about her experience of recovery and feeling things to their fullest. And Katrina used to dance for Miami City Ballet. And in her, her talk that I was listening to, she describes being backstage after a really good show. And she caught a glimpse of herself in the dressing room mirror with her stage makeup and her costume and all the glory of a good run, all the highs of the work being worth it and the meticulous tedium of the rehearsals paying off on that night. And she said she paused to recover from the good of that, to let it sink in so that she could remember it cellularly and to feel all the senses of the good wave. And she talked about how important it is that we don't save recovery for just the hard things, that we have to give credence and time to recover from the magic things too. The recovery, the space in between, is just letting it sink in feeling it to completion and not rushing off. So everything, good or bad, or somewhere in between, good and bad, has its own special cycle that it follows. And if you abort the cycle of completion, 
it will land somewhere in your body. And if it's not complete, it will begin to dull your pencil. One time, one very special trip, I went with my dad to Mississippi to visit some relatives. And we went to see Tyson and Catherine, who are Papa's. And Papa is my dad's daddy. Tyson was Papa's nephew. But because they were so close in age, they were raised as brothers. Aunt Maudie, Papa's sister, was the oldest. And Papa was the youngest. And so she had baby Tyson when Papa was still a baby. So anyway, I don't know if you can follow all that. But they grew up as brothers playing with each other. And Dad and I, on this trip, we showed up to Tyson and Catherine's house. And right when we walked through the threshold of their home, my dad whispered to me, he said, Buffy, don't miss his hands. And we sat down and I immediately saw what he meant. Tyson's hands were huge And they were marred and calloused and well-worn from many years of work and labor. They were just huge. And I remember also Papa's thumbs being really big too, kind of like cartoon thumbs. Like when in the cartoons, the the thumb gets hit with a mallet. (laughs) And then it like gets really big and red and pulses in the cartoon. And when I was little, I asked Papa, what happened to your thumbs? Because I thought they looked like they'd been smashed. And he laughed. And he must have been asked that before by another child because he answered pretty quickly that both of his thumbs had been run over by a train. And I believed him. I was small enough to believe him. And I, and I ran and told my parents, who also laughed and told me that he was teasing me. But anyway, Tyson had those same big hands, and he talked with his hands the same way that my dad talks talked with his hands to paint a story in the air, kind of like he's smoothing batter or frosting a cake, frosting a story. And Tyson's eyes twinkled, and he loved to tell stories, and we heard so many stories that day. And when Catherine got up, and she went to go do something in the kitchen— And dad stepped out on the porch, I think probably on purpose, because my dad was always really intuitive that way. Tyson leaned over closer to me, and he told me something. He said, Buffy, me and your papa made moonshine together when we were young men in Mississippi. And his eyes twinkled even brighter. And I listened, and I laughed, and I savored each of his stories, especially the one about them both trying to date Granny at the same time, but then but then his perfect girl, Catherine, turned his head, and that was that. Later, when Dad and I were kind of processing the day, Dad told me that he'd never heard the moonshine story. After all the years of spending time with Tyson, he'd never heard it before. And he, he thought that Tyson was in an extra talkative mood for me. And he wasn't sure if it was true or not. But he said that, that Tyson seemed to be in a magic space. He was reaching the end of his life, it turned out. And I think it was also because I was here. And I wanted nothing more that day than to be inside of his story, savoring every word of his memory. 
And that's the gift of here. We can honor people's details. And they tend to give us more details too, when they can tell that we're here with them. That day, that Mississippi town, that little living room was one of the best days of my life. My dad was so happy and I felt more here than so many other times. It was a sharp pencil day and I'm happy to be telling it here so that it can live somewhere. Children are especially gifted at this, being here. They haven't learned yet to be any other way. They're not cluttered or dull yet, thank goodness, and they don't even know how to go backwards yet. When I think about my childhood home, I remember it in textures. I still remember the way the asphalt looked and what it felt like and the temperature of the front porch cement, so cold and slick and gray. And I remember the paint colors of the shutters. They were sort of this yellowish brown, this kind of 70s brown, juxtaposed with golden bricks. And then those low places in the yard that collected soggy little pools. I knew exactly where they were when the rain would come because that's where I spent my time, low to the ground and sort of feeling my way through the world. And my memories are not intellectual on Fieldbrook Court, but they're sensual. The heat and the colors and the feels and the smells of the kitchen and the brown tweed of that old couch and its pokey metal springs and the rough underbelly of my bedspread, those those Kind, those bedspreads in the 80s that would kind of catch on your pajamas and pull that scratchy white fabric that was so terrible. <laughs> and, and I remember the distinct smell of honeysuckle. We had this area in the far corner of the pie-shaped backyard full of wild honeysuckle. And we would spend hours, Benjamin and I would spend hours back there building games and planets and, and our very own world on those honeysuckle vines. The chain link fence is so familiar to me even now because I was here. Never was I there or anywhere else as children do. They know how to do this, but we, we've forgotten. I realize in creating this episode that I have more specific memories of the textures and colors and details of my childhood home than I do the home that I left two weeks ago. And that's mind-blowing to me, the truth of that. As I grow older, I have to really practice being here. It used to be easy. It used to be a given. Now I have to try to do it so that I can curb my exhaustion and so that I don't miss it all, the glory of what is in front of me. I used to have panic attacks before I went on stage to dance, debilitating panic attacks where I couldn't move and I I wanted to die, to run, to be anywhere else but in my body and to be anywhere else but in the wings waiting to go on stage. And other people loved it, that aliveness of being intently watched and while others were captivated. And I think... I've analyzed this a lot. I 
I had such a fear of being seen. And I think now I know that it was more a fear of being here. The intensity of all eyes on my efforts and on my art was just too much pressure. And I longed for people to be distracted enough not to notice my mistakes. Performing was electric, but I didn't know how to harness it without the shame of imperfection. And I would work through it and I would do it anyway, but the panic really never went away during the time that I was performing. And I wonder now if it would be different if I was doing it now because my familiarity of here is more practiced and more available to be called on and I think I understand it more now. Now I crave the electric because I know it's the most alive space. Jason Shulman writes, Love your body's sensations, all of its quirks and aches and blocks and movements, its feelings, its textures, its hot and cold. If you do this, you will begin to untie yourself. The cords around your heart will fall away and you will see that you are your own gift, the one that you've been waiting for. I want to leave you today with a few of my favorite things, a few things that I think will really help. And these are things that don't necessarily tie back in to the week's topic, but just little sweet things that have helped me this week. Um, that I think you might like to hear about. First one is return your cart. (laughs) One time I read a story on Glennon Doyle's Instagram feed that I just loved. She said, return the grocery cart when you can. There are days when you're able to do this without a problem. And then there are days when you have two small children who have just taken apart the entire grocery store. And returning the cart would mean you might lose your mind. So on the days that you can manage, return your cart and maybe even one more cart if you can, because it can mean everything to somebody else. The next small love is a little bit of organic castor oil mixed in the palm of your hand with one drop of frankincense essential oil. And I like um, doTERRA essential oils, but I, I, there's a lot of really good, good ones out there that are high quality. So whichever one you like. Um, so mix those two together and put on your face and on your neck, on your skin as a moisturizer. So good. I've been doing this night, um, and in the morning for happy and healthy skin. And I've been loving it. It smells so good. Last one, last little small love for the week is kitchery. Kitchery is super simple, it's easy to digest, and it's so nourishing. And it's based in Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga. And it's just a way of cooking, warming foods with your particular constitution. And kitchery is made with Indian spices, and you can put some vegetables of your choice, and rice and lentils and ghee, or mung beans. And there's different ways to, to change it up. But lately, I've been using this really simple, basic recipe on the Ayurveda Institute website. And it's pure, and it's delicious, and it's variable depending on what you have in your refrigerator. And um, I make this so often for my family. Both my kids love it. 
It's not spicy. It's just really simple and warming and um, great to balance your body. And the recipe that I've been using, and there's a lot of good ones out there, but the one I've been using, I'll have Alex put on the show notes for you. Lastly, and sort of circling back to sharpening our pencils, what I hope for for all of us is that here becomes our home base. And when we slip away, we quickly come back to it. Fresh eyes, sharp minds become the place where we live over and over. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for all of your continued support. All the information to become a patron of this podcast lives on the show notes. I always want to hear from you. Please write to me and tell me um, your stories, your experiences in listening, where you listen, who you listen with. Also, uh, just for you, my husband, Matt, makes a great playlist to coincide with each of these episodes of stories. And the links to those playlists are also in the show notes. Have a beautiful day.